Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. All right. 32. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and your, you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass, when you become restless, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which, with which his father blessed him. And Esau said, to, said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob her younger son and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts him concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I bereaved, be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Hith. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Hith, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So, whew. Um, so, a couple quick things. Remember back to 25, uh, when they're born, uh, Rebecca is told that the older shall serve the younger, right? You guys remember that? Yes. She inquires of the Lord. And one quick note before we jump into it is we can't know for certain that um, Isaac was knowing about this word. I would say for all our purposes, he does. Um, but it says that she was told and never quite says, you know, she told him or whatever, but Knowing that culture, right, the, the man was kind of like the, you know, the patriarch of the family, the wife would clearly want to converse that with him. So 
I would say that he does, even though it doesn't say that explicitly. Um, and if you wouldn't argue the other way, I'd be okay with that. Um, so, in this whole narrative, right, we have this family of four. Um, certainly there's probably servants around and stuff like that. That's maybe how Rebecca got note that um, Esau wants to kill Isaac or whatever. But it seems like Esau is like the separate. Would you guys agree with that? He's like the kind of the black sheep of the family. Yes. He's already married two um, of the enemies of his people. And he, he's kind of like, although he's Isaac's favorite, he's definitely of the three, of the four, he's separated. Um, and, and so it's kind of interesting in this whole dynamic of this story, of this narrative that these three people that would kind of go on to be known for their faith in the Lord, like even Isaac's in the hall of faith, right, in um, Hebrews 11. Um, and certainly Jacob, who would be later named Israel, right, yeah, they're known people, like they're, they're going to go throughout in, in, in the Lord's story, so to speak, of redemption. And Esau's kind of going to be separated. Um, but in this account, it's like they flip-flop, right? Esau's like this kind of ungodly person, not really caring for the the Lord's good things, willing to give up his birthright for stew, right? Um, marrying off, you know, marrying, kind of uh, intermarrying with the enemy. And now they're going to kind of like flip, Right, and the whole time, kind of Esau's just gonna play his part. He's gonna just obey Dad. You know, I'm gonna go hunt for you, whatever. Uh, and then the other three are gonna be really deceiving the whole time. Um, and so, just kind of interesting from a a larger perspective that there's gonna be some flip flopping going on uh, with this. So, starting with Isaac. All right, kind of. It starts with him calling, um, calling Esau to himself. And so Isaac is old. What's old in this passage, you guys? Wait, how old do you think he is? Hundred plus. Yeah, he's hundred plus. He dies. You can find out his death is hundred eighty. But he's probably only hundred and forty here. Yeah, he was another forty years after. Yeah. Yeah, so he's kind of like he's kind of like prematurely calling out this this deathbed scenario, right? So he, you know, but imagine this scenario, right? Because we know what happens after this scenario. Uh, Jacob goes to uh, Laban for fourteen years, right? So, and there's a you know he comes back and all that. So forty years is going to go by after this instance. It's not like. We kind of read it and we can think he pr- pronounces blessing and he goes to his deathbed. And that's not what happens. Forty years, or you know, roughly, are going to pass after this takes place. Alright, so, um, so, you know, like, it feels like, it feels like Isaac, all, think about the wordings here, okay. Um, he says, Behold, I am old, I do not know the day of my death, therefore please take your 
and make me savory food as I love and and bring it to me that I may eat and it seems like he's kind of like got this like haste for good things like I want these like good foods I want you know I want the I want to give the son that I love this blessing there's like a lot of haste towards getting this I want to get this done you know it's like death row <laughs> yeah um so just to help kind of frame this out Typically, and you'll see it when Jacob gives his blessing to his sons, typically the, the kind of like time of giving that blessing, that, that household blessing would be kind of in front of everyone, mm-hmm. like a oh, yeah. like an inheritance, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like Celebration. You bring everyone together and you say, this is my firstborn. He's mm-hmm. going to have this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And then here, from then on, here's what... I'm going to give you this land and this land. It's in, kind of in front of everyone. What's that? Like like publicly. Yeah, like publicly. So everyone's all kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. And it is a little bit of a celebration. Um, and it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't. You don't get the sense that this is done in public. It's kind of like, come. Like you can see Rebecca's not even part of the situation. Jacob's not part of the situ- this blessing situation. It's all separate, and she hears of it, or she's listening for it. Um, and so it's you get this sense that Jake, or sorry, Isaac is moving with haste um, to to pronounce this blessing, to get kind of his part of it, you know, a little bit of food. But we know Isaac was like this really gentle, holy guy. Like you, you can find scripture of him. You know instances where he's in the evening just before the Lord, just listening. You know what I mean, and certainly the Lord knows and sees his faith as is pronounced in the Hall of Faith. And so it's not like he's an ungodly man. It just seems like at the end of his life here, he's kind of like, let's get this thing going. You know what I mean? For our terms. so, here's the question. How many, and you can give examples if you want, how many things in your life have you kind of moved in haste over <laughs> that you regretted? And then, if... The 80s was a very long day. Yeah, I kind of agree with her. The 80s. Yeah, it's That's when I was born. Just saying. So not not haste like don't don't think like before you you knew Christ. Think like Isaac here. He's certainly a believer. He's certainly a godly man in terms of faith, right? But now he's moving in haste. Right? He's moving ahead of the time, like. He could be certainly be thinking about what it means to be the spiritual head and the patriarch of that family and guiding that family well, but prematurely he's thinking, "I'm gonna die soon. Let's make you know, let's move some of these things along." Like he's thinking about his deathbed, and he's not on his deathbed. Um, so think like not. Don't think like oh, my wild days. I moved in haste. Think like as a Christian, as a believer. What are you know? times that you moved in haste for something even maybe the Lord had for you, right? And then you later regretted, like, 
man, I really went ahead of the ball there. It might be some kind of serving or, uh, you know, dating scenario. You know, it's something where you're like, really think I like... That. I haven't had to worry about that for a long time. Just giving... Laughing. <laughs> giving examples. I, I actually have one that's not... I mean, it's not particularly dramatic, but um, I do remember... Just at one point, you know, probably about four years ago, when I was really nervous, I had been unemployed for a little while. My unemployment insurance was running out. Um, it like a million years ago, um, before like things got really bad. But um, and I just I got an offer from that I just didn't feel right. And I look back now, and it's like the Holy Spirit was like sending up a red flag. But I misinterpreted. I misinterpreted it thinking, okay, well, maybe the Lord's trying to humble me, I should take this, but in my gut, I knew I wasn't being told the truth by the, by mm. the person who was hiring me, but I made that decision in haste that fear. Yeah. Fear is a common motivator in that, right? Yeah. I mean, it could happen right now to anybody. You know, you'll make a decision at that pace because of whatever the situation could be. It could be job, could be person, whatever. Yeah. You might just make that decision. Yeah. You just mm -hmm. might. And that's just a human factor. Yeah. You know, just like you're sitting back on a chair, you might fall. I might fall. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were in school, we would tell you, do not lean back in the yeah. chair. <laughs> I, I'm always on the line that it, it's complicated. Complicated. Yeah. It's like the blessing thing, you know. Like, you know, was was Abraham... Abram's, you know, trip to Egypt, a good decision. You know, one angle you're like, okay, he gets to leave with all this stuff, and the other angle you're kind of like, okay, Hagar gets picked up, <laughs> right? And, and it's just hard to tell sometimes, and I think oftentimes along with the blessing, like we think of blessing as good things, right. and and then, you know, it's the hindsight that kind of tells us whether or not it's a blessing yeah. or whether it was, you know, uh, uh, in haste sometimes, you know, because sometimes you're, like, pressed and you're like, okay, like, if I step out of this, it's gone, right? Yeah. That, that option or opportunity or whatever is gone. Yeah. But then at the same time, you're, you're like, okay, well, it didn't turn out well. Right. <laughs> guess it wasn't. Yeah. And you can't always plan. know in that moment. Yeah, you don't have time. Tough. You know, and you know, sometimes it's an issue of time if you're being pressed um, and you don't have any wiggle room. Sometimes it's out of our own personal pace. Hop in the van, go down to Egypt. Kind of a, an ad hoc situation. What? Hop in the van, go down to Egypt. Hop in the van, go down to Egypt. GW bus. And then yeah. shake my head, go, like, why am I here? Oh. Did happen. Yeah. It it definitely, I think it's all happened to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's really not about. Avoiding, like, being crystal perfect in your, uh, in your, I'm always patient with the Lord. Um, but it, I guess it's just comparing how many things in your life could you say you'd done in haste and regretted? How many things have you done patiently and regretted? And they're probably two different things. You know what I mean? You probably, like, you don't regret the patience too often. Now, I read a great... I still remember this. I don't even know how long I read it, but it was on Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for this Highest, right? And he talks about Abram leaving Egypt and going back into the land that he was given, right? And he, he, 
he settles between Bethel and Ai. And Ai represents the ruins, the, the world, you know, and Bethel remains like the house of God, you know, like uh, complete um, communion, separateness from the world, right? And he kind of settles in between, and it's like this illustration of, like, the balance, right? Like, I can't just be all about my my time with him and my study with him, you know, I can't be all about that and not engage the world around me, right? Or not, like, I think that the Lord is doing this, I'm going to go for it, you know what I mean? And, you know, so like a balance, it's right? It's walking a tightrope, really. Yeah, but I would say the, the majority, the, the, the counsel that you feel like you take from the, the entire counsel of the word would be rest and wait in here and mm-hmm. you know not move like if you're moving in haste it's probably not a good thing and a lot of times a signal is if someone else is pushing like in that particular situation they were like well we need a decision tomorrow and you know what if i was not in fear because of just who i am generally in business i'm like well if you need a, an answer in a rush then i'm not your person <laughs> but i was afraid and i needed a, to pay a mortgage and i was like okay Mm-hmm. And I don't normally cave in to pressure like that, but yeah, and that's another good way to look at it. How are you being motivated in this? Mm-hmm. You know, and, so. and am I making decisions under mental duress? Yeah, am I? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we have to. Just okay. mm-hmm. This is. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, like who's in control? You or God? Um, with my sister. I knew I was going to take this trip, and I was telling God, take her before I go, so I can have peace. Ah, yeah. ooh. And her husband praying for her to live. So then I had to throw up my hands and say, okay, God, you know, you're smarter than I am. You do what you have to do, and say... <clears throat> I didn't want to leave my sister, and I was starting to go like four days a week, and it was tiring me out, and I really needed to pull out so other family members could come, and my brother-in-law could get saved, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it took, okay, obedience to God and my husband, because I would have laid next to her on the floor until she died and, you know, helped my brother-in-law take care of her. But, you know, I would have exhausted myself. I was exhausted. But pulling out, and this is hindsight, and trusting God that it would work out. And I didn't know how it would work out. He accepted the Lord, and then she passed mm. away. Mm. So she was waiting for that before she would pass mm. away. But she, she was ready to go home like two years yeah. ago. Mm. Um, so that kind of thing, you know, like allowing God to be in control, mm. and Isaac was trying to be in control, mm. and maybe the reason he did it, just he and his son. Because he knew what was supposed to happen, and he was trying to get it the way he wanted. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really like, on, you know, on the back side of things like that, you see the, the situation twenty twenty hindsight and the Lord's sovereignty and his, his hand in all of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, I saw that, now I see that clearly. How can I remember that the next time I start to feel this building, right? How can I remember, how can I bring that to remembrance so that, okay, I'm feeling that, but the Lord, you know, but God in, uh, in this situation was faithful and he'll be faithful again, you know? And so then you can go through the same situation and maybe the outcome's differently, but you remember and have the peace that was demonstrated in the faithfulness. And the thing, too, is, like, I mean, we're not always in situations where, you know, we're making, we're even able to go, like, oh, well, I'm going to wait until I'm calm and make that decision. Like, we have to. But it is great that God will pick up the pieces. He picks up the slack. As long as our heart is in the right place, if we're exhausted, you know, I mean, I've been exhausted making major decisions for a long time, but he's been faithful to be doing all the work in the background when I can't. Yep. Now, you know, consistently in Scripture, the Bible uses physical blindness Mm -hmm. as a, like an illustration, right, for a spiritual blindness, um, unable to see the spiritual things. And you can make make a, a note that maybe that's, somewhat of what's going on here is as his eyes dim he's kind of missing those important things um and i don't know i don't think i i don't i definitely don't have the credibility to say this but uh i think i have the heart to say it and i think it's true but we and there's no offense when I say old, okay? <laughs> but we need, I need old people in my life that are not falling off just because they're old. You know what I mean? They're not like falling off the wagon. And, and, older is a nice term. Thank you. <laughs> older than me, certainly. Older than you. Right? Older is relative. Yes. I need older people. Then, you know, retirement is uh, is something that I feel like, sh- it, I, I know people say, like, there's studies that say, oh, retirement's a bad thing and stuff like that. I think it's a good thing that the, the support should turn towards young people and old people. And kind of in the middle, in your prime years, right, you're supporting both sides. I think that's a good thing. But not in terms of I don't like to to take to take that mindset into your spiritual walk is very dangerous and definitely not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that those that are, you know have gray hair are wise and they they have that to share with the younger generation. And so um, I know, even though they might not say it, because I'm one of them. Young people desire to have old people that share their wisdom, like, authoritatively. Mm-hmm. Like, speak it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, as, long as, it's, as long as it's wisdom, and not just, like, your, yeah. your thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Trust it. And yeah. Lies, but, the caveat. Yeah. It's, a, it's an important yeah, caveat. Especially if you didn't have it. 
if you didn't have it growing up, it's like now I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, I know who I can go to to ask questions that I trust. Yeah. Because I didn't, it's like such a blessing. Yeah. I mean, how much easier growing up would have been having that. So, I th- you know, I see here Isaac at, in an old age kind of um, in this moment, right? He kind of bounces back a little bit. But in this moment, in a weak spot, he's given up that wisdom. And, uh, and it's hurting his family, and it's hurting, uh, it will hurt his family. And so uh, my, I guess, uncredible exhortation is, I need old people, and I want old people too. I, I think old people in the church should speak authoritatively in, with their wisdom um, to the young people. That's it. Got through that part. That was the hard part. That was a hard part for you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got to speak towards, like, your elders, so to speak. Um, all right, moving on. All right. Um, so let's talk about, we talked about Isaac a little bit. Let's talk about Rebecca here. All right, so um, so it's definitely the whole deal, right? There's a there's an overall distrust in this family right now. Um, yeah, that's putting it nicely. Yeah. There's, they're not all the same. They're completely dysfunctional. They're just... I don't know if anyone's functional, but... Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm going to. Um, I know my family is not functional, but uh, there really there's a distrust. Um, and not just one way, right? It seems like the distrust mm-hmm. is starting to cycle around. Mm-hmm. So Isaac's distrust, I don't want to say this out loud. Rebecca knows the promise, right? If she hears me, it's not going to be good, Right. Uh, I can't say this in front of Jacob. He knows the deal, right? And he's and he's clearly the son that's staying firmer uh, right now, and so he probably deserves it, even if we're talking about des- you know deserving. And so I'm gonna do this quietly, right? Then Rebecca answers the deception with deception, and she's listening in, um, and she instead of kind of maybe speaking a word to her husband, hey. You know that's not God's promise. You know, I think you should turn from this. Uh, which I would, you know, it's that's like one of those things you hear from your wife that you don't want to hear, but then you're like, okay, I'm glad that I married her. You know, so um, certainly a hard word, but a good word. Um, instead of doing that or something else, right, we can name a bunch of different things, but instead of doing that, she answers the deception and, Starts to ask I, or, uh, Jacob to d- be in it with her, right? Take part in this so this happens. And so, d- but if she doesn't, she have the right to do this, right? It's God's promise. Yeah. Does she have the right to be it's answering? Not God's way. But it's not. It's what? Not God's way. So it's God's promise, but not God's way to do it. Right. And put her in charge of, you know. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You agree? Uh, I agree. I was just gonna say it's like another, um, you know, Sarah and Abraham. You know, we got to make this thing happen, right? Mm-hmm. So she's just, she's just, she's thinking, okay, maybe he's gonna pass on. He's got this plan. I gotta thwart it. 
before it happens kind of thing. She's just taking it on. Mm. Well, it seems like to me by reading this that she wanted Jacob to be in charge after Isaac passed, seeing as how looking past at the past, seeing at the uh, decisions that mm. that Esau had made, and she she said said hmm, this might not be be the uh, best idea to have um, to have. Uh, Esau in charge if he's going to keep on, on making these foolish decisions and so so she she sneakily uh, not with God's blessing uh, did this to uh, thwart him mm-hmm. yeah and you know we know from before that uh, Rebecca's favorite was Jacob um, uh they had a special relationship that she did not have with Esau, and knowing, and also knowing the promise, right? She's, you know, operating in fear, uh, may, you know, possibly um, is trying to, you know, she sets up this deceptive thing where, you know, puts, you know, the hair of the goat on the, onto Jacob, so he becomes like hairy, like Esau, makes the food. Which, by the way, wild game and goat taste completely different. So, <laughs> his taste buds might not be good or something read, like that. On the, a lot of, of spices. One of my notes said it. He didn't. They said that he didn't know. He wouldn't have known the difference. Yeah. It would have tasted the same no matter what. He but they did. taste different if you make Spice them to death. Seasonings. Yeah, seasonings. Everything tasted the same. That's how it was in a <laughs> Nepal. Everything tasted the same. Everything had the same seasonings on mm-hmm. it. So you didn't know if you're a chicken or lamb or what. So. Um, Anyway, so, you know, the deception, right? We, we don't have to go necessarily through back, but uh, she, he, he wears Esau's clothes, puts the hair on his body so he becomes hairy, which, man, that guy must have been hairy. Yeah. Um, to be, put a goat skin on you? That's ridiculous. Um, and then... Yeah. And so she, but you can tell that uh, Jake, uh, sorry, Isaac isn't completely sold on it at first, right? He, he hears uh, Jacob's voice and not Esau's voice, but everything else points to that it's Esau. Um, or sorry, yeah, that it's Esau. So uh, you can tell he's kind of like not, not, you know, not completely sold at first, but after he smells him, right, he smells his clothes. He's like, oh, this is my son. Um. So, manly smell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the, you know, someone that's out in the you know woods mm-hmm. smells different than someone that's around the tent all day. Nah, let's just say it. He stinks. Yeah, stinking. <laughs> uh, We're adults. All right. So, you know, so she sets all this up, right? And so she's answering the deception with deception. Um. And let, you know, and she says something in here that I think is interesting. She says, uh, "Let the, you know, he he's worried. What if I'm found out? Right? I'm going to be called a deceiver. I shall seem to be a deceiver, which is you could see his thought process in that is not completely clear because you are a deceiver, mm-hmm. right? But he says, "I seem to be a deceiver, and I should bring a curse on myself and not a blessing." 
And she says, let your curse be on me. And so she has the mothering instinct, right? Like, I will do anything that it goes well with you. You know, even if it means I'm going to take this curse on myself. But in the Lord's eyes, you can't take someone else's curse on, right? Isaac's going to make, or sorry, Jake, I'm going to get this confused all night. (laughs) Jacob is going to make his own decision here. He's going to partake in this. It's like Pontius Pilate, Mm -hmm. right? Trying to wash his hands from the blood of Jesus when you can't do that. You can't just say, I am out of this decision because his decision was his. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's very similar. She she wants to do that, right? But Jacob, and Jacob trusts that, but it's not good with the Lord, right? So, you know, you can, and that helps us, right? Because if someone's like, just do this, I'll take the blame if it goes wrong. Like, that's a that should be a warning sign. You know what I mean? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this um, if there's blame to be taken. Um, so, uh, that's how kind of she responds. We see Jacob, right? He's at first uh, kind of, kind of hand, like, I don't, I'm not sure about this. It might not work, right? Um, I don't, we don't know if he was told that he's going to be the son that's blessed. Um so he could be in on that knowledge or not. I don't know if that particularly matters here because he still knows he's being deceptive, right? He comes with that. He comes out with an outright lie that says, "I am Esau, your firstborn," right? And then he says, "Because the Lord your God brought it to me, like Mom brought it to you, you know, Mom brought you the food, not, not the Lord." Um, so twice, just outright, even using the Lord's name in that, and. So by no means is he trusting the situation either, right? He's not trusting that maybe he knows about the situation with the promise um, to that he, would, that he would be the one that receives the blessing. He knows that he has earned the birthright, or he bought the birthright, right? And that was a fair deal. It, wasn't, it was deceptive, but it was fair. Um, so... What's to stop him from going to Isaac and saying, Father, that's not his. That's not his blessing. He sold that to me. You know, that, or maybe he knows about the promise. That's not the promise you were given. You know, what's to stop? Like, I think a son can do that, right? He has to respond. You know, we tell the girls, like, uh, you don't have to like what I say, but you have mm-hmm. to trust that I'm saying it from a good position, right? Mm-hmm. right? You know, so if his father would say, no, I'm doing it, then the Lord's going to do it in another way, right? But he could take that on. He could say, no, Mom, I'm going to do this the right way. I'm just going to ask him, right? And if he responds well, then that's great. Um, it's like that passage, um, I don't know, someone may know where it is, but if you... Uh, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him. If he if he repents, then you've earned yourself a brother. Or that idea, right? Yeah, like, or even like David. You're restored to them, right? I mean, David could have easily killed Saul and took his rightful place. Yeah, he didn't do it. That's a good example. Um. So Jacob, as well, as one of the the three godly persons in this household, in this instance, is just finding. It's hard to trust, 
his father, hard to trust, or kind of, he's kind of trusting his mother, but he's definitely not trusting his father that he's going to do the right thing. Um, so, before we move on, let's real quick mention, like, how how do you guys think the the first people reading this account? How do you think they would have interpreted this this narrative? What do you think they would have kind of like drawn from it? Like put you know kind of you have to place yourself in that in that you know experience. But each man was doing what was right in their own heart. Okay, good. So there was nothing Christ-like at all in this chapter. Alright, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I agree with that. <laughs> Can't say anything wrong with that. But, how, you know, how do you think they're they're going to say... Like, how, how as they're reading this, what are they... They're reading about Yahweh. You know, they're reading... Who is... who? This is speaking of Yahweh. What's this speaking about Yahweh? Because that's how they're reading it, right? That's how they're going through this narrative. They're They're reading the account... Of Yahweh's presence over His people, and so how are they? How are they seeing that in this? I would think that they're looking at they turn their back on Yahweh once again. Yeah. And they're not trusting His sovereignty. Mm-mm. You know, God was going to give it to Jacob. That was the promise. But this is a soap opera going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good that's way a, to put it. That's a good promise. Yeah. It's a promise. Soap opera. Yes, it is. And these are the days of Thank you. That's just what it is. It's a little but, scary, Jess. So, <laughs> so even though they weren't trusting it, you can still see the Lord being sovereign in it. You know what I mean? Like, whether the people are good, bad, indifferent, mixed, the Lord still has the ability to be sovereign in for good things and his purposes in the soap opera. And so like that's like they're they gotta be reading this and almost like yeah, there's our father messing up again, but here's the Lord being his purposes coming to fruition after all of this and I'm here now enjoying the Lord's blessing. You know what I mean? And so like almost sitting even though it's bad it's almost encouraging because they're probably thinking well, i've done that you know i've deceived and they're encouraged that the lord can still be he's he's so powerful that he can be sovereign in that and he can see his purposes through despite us you know so i think it's just it's really good to remember those things as you're reading because you can just be like isaac's an idiot Jacob's an idiot. Rebecca's an idiot. You know, and forget that I'm an idiot. Um, or you can look at it as these are viewed as great people. Yeah. But yet, they have faults, yeah. just like we do. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody got some issues somewhere. Yeah. 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 I'm not far down the road we are, but I wanted to share a story if we have time. Yeah. Yeah, we got time. So uh, I'm, I went camping with Caleb like years ago, years and years ago. He was like, I don't know, he and Christian were like nine or something like 
to um, Bull Island. Oh. Yeah, nice little place up there. And um, we we're, I don't know how we got into discussion about God's will. And, and we're like, well, you know, Caleb and Christian are like all talking about how decisions and stuff you know, impact God's will. And, and then all of a sudden I, I, I came up with this idea. I was just like, I was like, stick your hand in the water because it's like flooding over this uh, um, like waterfall they have up there mm -hmm. to kind of keep the water levels higher up there. And I was like, stick your hand in the water, right? And, mm -hmm. and the water kind of diverts. And mm -hmm. I was just like, where is it now, though? Like three feet down from where you stuck your hand in the water, where is it now? Like you can't even tell that you impacted the water at all, mm -hmm. right? You know, so, you know, God's will is like this, it's a river. And you sticking your hand in it, yeah, it diverts it for three feet or so. But mm -hmm. it all I'm comes down. Though. It's all his, mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Good picture of that one. Mm -hmm. I forget it though. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got a couple more minutes. So, 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 and and uh, Ruth uh, pointed out to this. So not only do they have distrust in each other, but they lack a confidence in the Lord. You guys all agree with that, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're distrusting personally, like individually together as 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 people, right, and in a family unit. But then, greater than that, they have a, a lack of confidence in the Lord. Um, Job twenty two two. Who can basically who can help God? You know, like like Rebecca. You know, they're each trying their own way. I, I think Rebecca, right? She's trying to make it happen, right? Can you really add anything to what he's going to do? You know, like can you, or does he need your help? You know what I mean? In in in, a, in another way of putting it. Um, and that's God in Job, you know, these, these guys that are trying to talk to, uh, you know, Job, one, one says like, who can, who can help him? Like, you can't do anything that's going to, you know, uh, make him accomplish anything that he can't accomplish himself, you know? So like, they just not, so we, we're talking, we first talked about it dynamic like family dynamic and now we're talking about the lack of confidence in God but it typically the other way around right it's like a your mm -hmm. vertical right mm -hmm. you think about a conduit right yeah, your vertical affects your horizontal mm -hmm. not the other like yeah. it's not going to go back up right. right and so as you're the you're receiving from mm -hmm. the Lord right it can go out but mm -hmm. uh, you know if you're not receiving from the Lord it can't there's nothing coming through, right? Yeah. So there's that picture too. Um, you know, flip-flopping at first, it's probably the lack of confidence in the Lord that he's going to do what he promised, and that plays itself out in distrust on one another. Um, so this lack of confidence in one another. So say say you, you got this family dynamic that's similar to this, a lot of distrust. How is this cycle broken? Because once the cycle starts, it just keeps circling around right like you lie to me i'm gonna lie to you i don't know if you're being truthful anymore so i'm gonna just i'm gonna lie again you know what i mean um how how is this broken practically well i think you have to go vertically and then you both have to go vertically together so like a repentance a repentance all and then you know go forward this way 
Okay. It's hard to get. Yeah. What if, what if what if you're ready but no one else is? Well, I think that's where a lot of prayer and a lot of patience. Anything else? Any verses come to mind? That's a good one. It's that proverb, trust in the word. <clears throat> and you will direct your paths. Psalms 37, fret not thyself, trust in the word. Fret not thyself, trust in the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> what about... What about if everyone is ready? Like you, 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 you repent to the Lord. Lord, this is this is not good. This is wrong. This is, doesn't feel healthy. This is not healthy, fruitful wise. How do you reconcile? Confession. Confession. And forgiveness. And forgiveness. as Disney says, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is that part of it. Sometimes yeah. uh, to overlook something is a, is a biblical way to go through reconciliation. It's just to overlook something. I'm not going to count that as sin against me. I'm not going to count that as a wrong against me. Um, and that's a lot of more like one-sided stuff, right? So, I also put in, you know, like, especially in a real, you know, practical situation, you know, a, a family dynamic even, Ephesians 4.26, do not let the sun go down on your anger, right? Being able to uh, work or be, like, thoughtful towards working towards reconciliation in a timely manner. Like, not letting it fester. Does it make sense? Um, so, you know, you get, you get into it with a kid, one of your kids or whatever. That's, you can say, listen, this isn't done. you got to go to bed. This isn't done. But I still love you. We're going to put it on pause. I'm going to treat you like my son or daughter. That, you know, you, that's rightfully your place. With grace and mercy and peace. I'm going to treat you that way. This is on pause, but we're going to pick this back up because it's not over. Like, we're not reconciled just because we're going to sleep. Does that make sense? And, and just to help frame, like, reconciliation, without it, things, things fester like an infection. You know, you don't treat an infection, it starts to get a, a wound, right? It starts to get worse and worse and worse. Right, but if you start to clean it out, it hurts a little bit. You know, it hurts, stings, right? But the healing comes from that, right? And it, it scabs over well, uh, versus having to lose lop a limb off. That's not good. <laughs> All right. So, um, sun, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you're angry, I suggest be, not only are you not going to sleep well, but um, it's also it's not going to be uh, good for the situation or your health. So take some time with the Lord or, or some other kind of technique. Go for a walk, right? Work some of that off before you go to bed. Um, Nip it in the bud. 
Put in the butt. That's a good way. Whatever it is. Keep everything clear. Um, and lastly, let's talk about how do they recover from this. All right. Uh, towards the, you know, we see, we see Isaac uh, give the blessing to Jacob. Um, Esau comes in, finds himself uh, without a blessing. And Isaac does give him a semi-blessing. Yeah, back kind of blessing. You know, he he definitely gives him the material things, right? That you, you can have the fatness of the earth and the dew from heaven above, but you're gonna live by the sword, and you're gonna serve your brother. You're gonna act like a second child, like a second son, um, and you're gonna have that. And uh, we see that play out in Esau's life. Um, and then. Uh, you know, keep going. Rebecca um, finds out that Esau wants to kill Jacob, and Jacob is told by Rebecca, "You got to go, go to my brother Laban in Haran, um, stay with him a few days, which we know it doesn't happen for a few days." Um, and Rebecca then again uses deception, and so it doesn't seem like she recovers all that well. I still believe that Rebecca is a, a godly woman in the, you know, we'll see Rebecca in heaven, so to speak. Um, but uh, she uses deception. She talks about marriage instead of worrying that Jacob's going to be killed. She's, she's, you know, now she's communicating with Isaac, but the communication is not completely honest. Um, and so... We see that. That's how Rebecca maybe kind of deceives again. I think Isaac, I think Isaac kind of, I would say that he's turning. Um, if you guys look at the first part of 28, um, he calls him, he calls Jacob out again and charges him. He, he Not only does he kind of like listen to Rebecca, you know, he like responds to Rebecca's request, but he also kind of like, gives another blessing, and it seems like it's more in front of people now. Like it's in front of Esau, it's in front of uh, Rebecca, like it's out in the open where it should have been from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you kind of get the sense that he kind of owns, all right, you know, I knew that was, you know, off. Here it is. Here's your blessing. Now go get some wives that are uh, from our family and bring them back here, and so forth and so on. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think Isaac mm-hmm. turns here. Um, and then Jacob, I, I I was surprised, but, you know, up till the time where he gives the blessing to his sons, you don't see any more heel catching going on. You know, you see, like, him kind of leave that. You know, like, mm-hmm. you, you don't see him acting in deception anymore. Um, uh, and, he, you know, even he goes to, you know, and you, we'll see this soon, but he goes and, and talks to Laban. He loves Rachel and works for her, and then he gets deceived, right? Like, uh, you know, we're not going to say the K word around here, but, you know, karma, you know, like, uh, but... You know, even in all that, he doesn't kind of respond 
back to that. He just works for another seven years and works for Rachel. And then he comes back and Esau meets him out there and he's gentle. He's like humble, like whatever. He sends stuff, whatever. Kind of to appease him, right? But it's also just a, I'm sorry it went down like that. You know what I mean? And they're reconciled to the point where they bury, uh, what's his name, Isaac together. You know, I think, so I would say he turns from this and learns from it and uh, and puts it behind him as well as kind of like his childish ways. Um, but they all face immediate consequences. Isaac and Rebecca lose Jacob for 14 years. He loses them for 14 years, right? There's a, an, 14 years of uh, distress between him and Esau. Um, like, so they got to face their immediate consequences for their sin. But two, kind of, you see them kind of turn from that sin, or that turn from that unfaithfulness. Um, and then, you know, before as we just finish, uh, we read this last time I was here in Romans 9. Um, we see kind of like, you know, this is where Esau's brought back up in the New Testament. Where's Romans? Somewhere? Acts Romans, that's what I said. That's what I remember. What did you say last time? What is it? Go eat pizza. I say go eat popcorn because the C. Popcorn, yeah. (laughs) Now I'll never forget that. Um, Where is that? Go eat popcorn? No. Uh, Where's the verse we're looking for? (laughs) About Esau. Thirteen. Just as it is written, Jacob, who I I loved, but Esau I hated. No. Where is it? Oh no, we're not. It's in here somewhere. You said Romans nine. I think so. Wait, what are we specifically looking for? We're looking for where he's, he uh, wishes that he could have repented, but he saw, he saw his blessing with tears. What shall we say then? There's no injustice of God. I have mercy on him. Oh, man. I'm going to Google it. Hebrews 12. That's it. That's what I said. Hebrews 12. What are you guys doing in Romans? <laughs> the Hall of Faith. <laughs> it was, well, there it is. Um, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you knew that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. And now you see them flip-flop back. Right? We started... Thanks again for listening to the Sermon Podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com. 
or download the church app to your phone.